Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast. Where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. What up, beautiful people? This is uh, the Paranoid American. Down, If you don't see me, I'm down here in this corner. And today we got uh, my homeboy, Chaz. Yo, what up, Chaz? What's going on up there, homie? How's it going? Hold on one second. The dog okay. is losing his mind. Give me one second. <laughs> so so he needs no introduction, and, and that's good because he's not here to give it. Uh, Chaz of the Dead is someone that I met uh, a while ago on the reality czars podcast shout out to nate and uh and chaz is somewhat of an expert in a few different paranormal realms uh so first of all he uh here, let's let's take him out of the window he'll he'll come back up he's creeping back in Hi. there was so, a... so I, I was given a quick introduction that you're a man of many different talent I, actually i just learned something new about you before we started here um, but I met you on the Reality Czars with Nate, and you were kind of talking about haunted houses and UFOs. And so, uh, first of all, where can people find you, uh, like websites and social media and all sort of, you know, props up front? Oh, yeah. You can find here, me on all here. the social medias at Chaz of the Dead. You can find my appearances and stuff at chazofthedead.com, though. I think that needs to be updated. Um, and then you can find most of my writing over at paranormalitymag.com, uh, Paranormality Magazine, where 
I do all kinds of uh, research and organize the issues and stuff that they put together. And um, so if you like all kinds of high strangeness, whether that's Bigfoot, UFOs, or ghosts and goblins, we, we like to cover a little bit of everything. So that's kind of kind of what I do. I travel around and uh, do some psychedelic experiments and talk to witnesses and uh, try to make some sense out of this strangeness when I can. So it's funny you, you brought up the psychedelic right out the gate. So um, I can't remember exactly where this was from. It was like an old conspiracy theory coloring book from, I don't know, like early 2000s. It was like a jokey type thing. And there was this one page and it was like, we've got UFOs, we've got aliens, we've got Bigfoot and we've got political conspiracies. And it's like, can you connect the dots and when you connected them it was just like a big pot leaf you know what i mean but it was a good <laughs> it was a good joke because it does tend to be the glue that binds between all these different you know paranormal aspects so i mean right out the gate i'm curious what do you think about uh like the the role of psychedelics specifically in paranormal <laughs> research because it seems oh. like there's a huge overlap and i don't like do you think it's necessary Oh yeah, well, I, I definitely think um, it's it's an interesting question because I'm gonna go in here and you might come away being like, oh well, he sounds pretty skeptical overall, because right out the gate, you know, that is the explanation of most skeptics, right? Okay, you saw something paranormal, you hallucinated, you had some kind of hallucination, and that's the the explanation. And as someone who's willingly hallucinated multiple times, they have a point. Because there is absolutely a list you can um, draw up of similarities between the paranormal experience, um, whether it's you know any of these subgenres, and the psychedelic experience. I mean, you have the obvious glaring ones: uh, missing time. That's one I've had on on mushrooms before, where I thought I was staring at the wall for maybe two minutes, and three hours had passed. And are you hallucinating right now by any chance? Um, I, uh, no, I just got off of work. I might be... Uh, okay, so you've got a baseline. You've got a <laughs> I baseline. got a baseline. Okay. Um, no, I try to actually keep my my psychedelic experiments for the field these days because uh, when I was a little bit younger, I was doing them pretty gung-ho one after another or weekend to weekend. And there's some negative health effects. Definitely, you know, be careful out there. Uh, what listeners. do you consider the field? Like, when are you like, okay, I'm on the clock now. I can, I can take, you know, I can take some <laughs> That's time. a very good question. Because 90% of what I do is actually sitting at the computer researching. It's that 10% where I've either found a story or a location or um, something that, that requires that physical follow-up, you know, just to, to be in the, the presence and in that area. And then if, if it checks out that second kind of vibe check, then, you know, is and that vibe check can include, you know, are there park rangers stationed nearby? <laughs> There's a variety of, of factors that go into how, how friendly are the it. paranormal and the normal. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, sometimes I'm traveling abroad and access to substances can be limited and things like that. And so uh, a, a lot of factors go into it, but, um, more often than not, after testing it out a couple times, doing your traditional normal ghost hunting stuff, I'll I'll go back and conduct a more psychedelic based experiment. Um, whether that's a heavy trip or a light dose, it kind of depends on the the scenario. Um, because I've kind of tuned it to to see that, um, 
you know, different different investigations warrant different kind of uh, of an approach. Um, but the this notion that the paranormal experience and the psychedelic experience they are very much akin. Missing time, uh, viewing of strange worlds, right? People who are abducted by aliens and taken to these far off lands, these impossible landscapes. Um, anyone who smoked DMT will report something similar. Um, you have uh, this one I find super interesting is the emotional reaction. You tend to get one of two emotional reactions to both psychedelics and paranormal experiences. Um, and it helps to think of alien abductions, particularly in this case, right? So a lot of people abducted by aliens and they come away with this sense of, well, yeah, it was against my will. It was in the middle of the night, but it showed me that there's a bigger universe out there and I feel one connected. There's this, they're, they're here to help us. And this universal love and peace is one of the most common reported factors. Uh, and then on the flip coin, you have, you know, your Betty and Barney Hills where they're terrified. It's a non-consensual experience. They're getting their shit diddled. And it's horrifying by these terrible creatures that smell like sulfur. And, you know, it, it sucks. Um, and that's really interesting because that's pretty much the two reactions you have when people take psychedelics for the first time, right? I mean, oh, the majority of people have a very, well, not the majority, it's hard to put a number on that, but a, a large percentage of people have that oneness, you know, that's, that's almost a universal aspect of particularly mushrooms and peyote and some of the more natural psychedelics. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to be one of those guys and sit here and say mushrooms is the answer. Everyone needs to take mushrooms because I know some people who've taken mushrooms and it was not for them. <laughs> you know, you, you can have that exact opposite reaction, that absolute terror. This is the worst experience I've ever had. And I don't want anything to do with it. I never want it to happen to me again. Um, and so that dichotomy very much exists within the, the paranormal experience as well. Um, even Bigfoot, you have that, the, those two versions of him, right? You have the lovable goofball Bigfoot who like... The Harry, wants, Harry and the Henderson's Bigfoot. Yeah, he wants to steal your peanut butter. And yeah, yeah man. he's fun to take on a family vacation. And then you yeah, have... Yeah, he might stand up to a bully for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then you have the ones that are terrifying, the glowing red eyes. And he like tears up the car and leaves these deep scratches. And, um, you know, again, it's this, this dichotomy. Um, and there's a few other more minor ones. In my first book, I writ, wrote a full list. I think it's like seven or eight um, of these key experiences that are the same in the paranormal as with psychedelics. Now, the difference is from a hallucination, because I've had plenty of those, and something that's paranormal is physical crossover, right? Because what happens, that what's different between a UFO case and a Bigfoot case and just, you know, taking mushrooms in the woods is that there's a physical imprint, whether it's scorch marks or in rare cases of abduction, implants. Um, Bigfoot, he likes to, to leave footprints and, you know, again, these impressions on the land. And there's this physical aspect to it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that these things are entirely physical, but that, I think, is the, the marker of, you know, a true paranormal experience. And while a lot of people will just be able to write it off and say, well, you know, it sounds like a hallucination, so it must have been that. 
you're, they're throwing out the baby with the bathwater in that scenario. And so the the goal here is to, I guess, examine the connections between the two phenomenon because, um, you know, there's kind of a, an awareness that it, it's there, but it's either used to completely dismiss it or it's used to, you know, I, I guess I'm the one using it to say, hold on now. <laughs> it doesn't dismiss it. It actually validates these these sightings in a strange way. Um, you know, our reality is, and anyone who's taken psychedelics knows that our reality is a lot more malleable than um, we we tend to believe on a day-to-day basis. And so understanding those strange mutations of reality and how they can affect the the populace in a physical way, I think is uh, very much worth studying. Um, You mentioned uh, like willingly, like, so like you're used to willingly, you know, having these hallucinations and going on these. And that was one of the differences too, right? Between these two. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious if like, would you willingly get abducted by an alien as well or would oh. you cross the line would you say like if Absolutely. it's going to enter physical reality oh, okay so you'd, you'd raise your hand for that would you be the dude on the top of the building like welcome to earth you know from uh independence day <laughs> get obliterated yeah well you don't have to you don't have to know that part maybe not necessarily spoiler alert. That <laughs> by the way spoiler alert the people that <laughs> greet the aliens usually get blown up <laughs> and spoiler whatever, alert for the whatever movie you're watching movie. <laughs> um no, I, uh, yeah, I definitely, um, you know, the entire point of these experiments are is, is kind of egging it on. And that's kind of been my approach from the get, right? And I've always find that as a uh, interesting dichotomy, especially in the ghost hunting world, right? Because there's all these big no-nos, right? They're like, don't do this, don't do that. Ouija boards or, you know, upside down crop, whatever it is. And my whole perspective going in, you know, initially in that ghost hunting kind of background was, well, wouldn't you want to do those things? If these are the bad things that will make a activity happen, then <laughs> what, what are we doing here? That's what we want. We want to be able to, yeah, to do it. And it's this idea that, and again, I, I get it all the time, you know, it's dangerous, especially from the, the religious people. It's dangerous. Yeah, well, you know, so was exploring the northern passage, you know, but people still had to do it to get to fucking find it. And so just because something's dangerous doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. It's like saying, oh, well, don't study tigers. They're dangerous. You're going to get hurt. And so we should just ignore tigers forever. Like don't uh, antagonize the tigers. But I, I also see an analogy here where, the people that are like, you know, don't disrupt the ghost. Here's the rules. They're the ones that are like, you know, maybe take half of this pill the first time. And you just walk in the room and you like grab a handful and you're just like, blip, blip, blip. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, what are we what are we doing here? If we're not going to do this. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go for it. And so that is a, an extreme example. You know, I don't necessarily want to be one of the several hundred people who was eaten by tigers before they managed to like capture one. Um but I, I like to equate it more as the the field of the paranormal is very much the we're we're in the alchemy stage, right? Where, you know, there's alchemy was a bunch of weirdos making up words in the dungeons of castles, mixing sludges together. 
But now, hundreds of years later, you know, uranium isn't a made-up word. It's an actual thing, and we can visualize it and, and know its, you know, abilities and things like that. And so I, I do think the paranormal, one day it will be called something totally different, you know. Hmm alternate reality studies or some shit like that who, who knows it'll be it'll be chemistry it, what chemistry is to alchemy now if you were to go back in time and try to explain it they, they would kind of see what you're saying but they'd be like oh shit what the fuck um we're we're in that scenario here we're we're the alchemists and so it is going to take a lot of um you know, guesswork and experimentation that is, you know, on the the fringe aspect of it, which, um, you know, is not going to be the most productive. But lucky for me, it also happens to be the most fun. <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm not a paranormal investigator 200 years from now where you have to like go to school for it. And <laughs> get licensed. <laughs> yeah, a fucking eight year degree and then an apprenticeship. <laughs> yeah, fuck all that. <laughs> I get to take drugs in the woods, <laughs> haunted houses and shit. <laughs> I like the idea of antagonizing ghosts to like, f for the, not because like I'm, I'm an asshole to the dead. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's because if we're out here ghost hunting and we're out here to see paranormal activity, why not be a catalyst? Why not stir something up? But, and I'm mm -hmm. curious, does that apply to like demons? Would you like invoke a demon and start like talking about its mom? Well, uh, let like, me let me put it this way. I'm never going in it from that kind of like Zach Baggins perspective where like I'm convinced I'm going to talk to a dead person or a demon or whatever. Uh, I have a much more um, universal consciousness kind of White Lodge, Black Lodge, if you're a Twin Peaks fan kind of perspective on it where these... These entities, they're as complex as humanity is, whatever they are. Um, and I find giving them names like demons and things like that falsely empowers them. Because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of demons just start out as like a spooky noise. And then if you start putting your belief into it, if you're like a Catholic schoolgirl and you're really afraid of the devil and puberty and whatnot, you're going to like start manifesting this, this kind of experience. This, um, the human mind certainly meets the phenomenon to a certain perspective. And I think that's what is reflected by the similarities between um, psychedelics and, you know, the paranormal. And I do think this this was kind of, um, unfortunately for us now, this was known by a lot of, of the societies of the pre-colonized Americas. Um, shamanism was a, a very common aspect of life. And I've always found it really interesting that we accept it now as modern people that those shamans were the doctors of their community. They absolutely could heal people and do things, you know, what we would consider the most you know, medically advanced, it's, it's hard to be a doctor. That's clearly a science, right? But then they have this whole spiritual side of their practice and we're like, ah, that was all nonsense. <laughs> and I really do think we lost a great deal of, of understanding on what these, you know, again, entities is still a strong word because even that doesn't necessarily... Um, pan out there's this concept that 
um, based in, in Carl Jung's shit uh, of the collective unconscious and that perhaps ghosts and demons and these things are a type of pareidolia within the collective unconscious. So, you know, say someone passes, you don't even have to die. Every memory or story or idea exists not only in our head, but in this non-physical neural network between all human beings. And again, we see this in fish and ants and lots wolves. This isn't a far out there concept. Um, and so the idea is that perhaps if you're looking at this uh, web of information, disincarnate information, your mind's going to do what we do always when we're looking at like static or, or the stars. It's going to do a pareidolia. It's going to find a pattern. And so we start cherry picking little pieces of information. And you can see this in every single ghost hunting show ever. If they do EVPs, most of them are nonsense, right? It'll say a bunch of random words or whatever. And again, that has to do with the technology. That technology's made up bullshit. But it's an accurate representation of what might be occurring with the collective unconscious and this idea of hauntings. We look into this mass of webs and we find all the details that match with it being a demon or all the details that match with it being a a ghost of a civil war soldier or whatever. Um, Again, one possible theory. Uh, I I try not to buy into one theory wholly one way or another. Every day I wake up though, and I do believe one more than another and it's constantly shifting battle. Um, You said, you said something that was a little bit sacrilege within the ghost hunting community and and like you're taking jabs at the technology. And I mean, if you're spending $200 on $30 worth of parts, then you're going to be pretty biased and think that your technology is working. Right. So I'm just curious, are the, are, is there any technology all that you think is legit when it comes to ghost hunting or is like, is, is technology incompatible with trying to detect this other world? No, I actually think that what they're doing is just just one step behind what I'm doing. I actually totally, I get it because, um, and uh, I, I said this on a YouTube documentary a couple uh, months ago. They were asking, you know, we're doing this kind of ghost, a group of podcasters were going on their first ghost hunt. And I uh, told them that when I go out in the field to do paranormal work, um, and if I'm with a ghost hunting group, cause you know, I like to hang out. Um, I always approach it in my mind that we're not hunting ghosts. We're not going to a place and we're going to like corner them in a room and get them in a bag, and, you know, capture it. Like it's ghostbusters. Um, we're, what we're actually doing is what I like to call a technological seance. And these tools, and there's something about, and this goes into like the rules of like hypnosis and a a bunch of weird shit, but there is something about spending a bunch of money on shit. It's the same thing that cults do, right? You put in a bunch of money and then you don't want to admit it's bullshit because then you wasted your money. And so it locks you in psychologically. And the same effect, I think, works with this kind of technology and applying it to this. It locks you in. Um, I, I tend to think most ghost hunts that have a lot of activity 
are more like your 1900 seances where it's kind of like a party atmosphere. It's everyone's having fun and maybe telling spooky stories and getting spooked out. And then, well, that's one of the rules of Ouija, right? Is you never do it alone. Right. So by so by its very rules, it has to be a social, like a social thing. Yeah. And I think that again, the, the fact that that is a, a well-recorded aspect through now 120-so years, more so, back to the Fox sisters, 150 years of paranormal research, which, again, is alchemy. This all could be thrown out at a later date. But as of from where we're standing currently, <laughs> that certainly suggests that there is something to the idea of the collective unconscious having a role here. Um, and it's the same thing. You can go to Casadega here in Florida and they'll do a table tipping service for you where you all put your hands on the table and it starts to like dance and move around and like a traditional 1900 seance. And I personally haven't done one yet. They're kind of overpriced. Um, it's on the bucket list. I'm going to make the magazine pay for it. Uh, <laughs> but I've had plenty of, of colleagues who have gone down to do it and say it's a genuinely bizarre experience. It absolutely feels like something is controlling the table beyond you. And it's the same, again, the same principle with a Ouija board. Um, so yeah, I, again, I tend to lean to the idea that that's why I'm not necessarily worried about like offending a ghost or a demon or whatever. I, I tend to believe that for them to appear at all, they need me to meet them halfway. I need to start. We need to work together. It's a group activity. Uh, very much like the, the Philip experiment and some of the follow-up ones they did in Australia where they manifested a tulpa or an egregore, whatever your preferred terminology is, and got this very much real result. I'm, I'm curious. This is kind of related to that. Do you think, this is a common question that I try to get in different ways, someone's completely brand new to this whole world, right? Like they just found out about seances and spiritualism today. They they escaped from some kind of atheist <laughs> cult that didn't let them talk to the outside. You know, it's the village. Mm -hmm. They get out. They're fascinated by it. Do you think that it's possible for someone that fresh to just like go on Amazon, order a bunch of books about how to do seances, how to contact Bigfoot, how to contact aliens, and just through reading books, be able to successfully do it? Or do you think that you have to have some like innate ability or do you have to be on some kind of wavelength you have to like train like miyagi style to become like a paranormal expert like what do you got to do um again i think it's one of those scenarios where it's probably different for every individual um that being said yeah go buy some like if you're interested buy some books and and try it out like you'll surprise yourself with some of the, the any books uh, you recommend uh, if you're looking to particularly have some weird spiritual psychedelic stuff without taking any substances, I highly recommend um, Prometheus Rising by okay, uh, Robert, Robert Anton, Anton Wilson. Wilson. Uh -huh, I'm yeah. a big Wilson fan. Um, and that one, again, every chapter is, has a little experiment at the end of it. And if you do all of the experiments, I'm telling you, weird shit starts. It, it works. Weird shit absolutely happens. Yeah, my, I actually have an example from that, but one of my favorite examples from that one, and I think because it has such an easy, rational response, but it's it was something like for the next week, 
you're gonna you're gonna look on the ground and just see like a five dollar bill or quarters. You're gonna find uh-huh. quarters, and and you end up do finding quarters. And I think I found like a twenty dollar bill, and I'm not even kidding when I was going through that. And it's not that you're well. I guess some people might argue that you're manifesting the money by really? looking for it. But you could also just rationally explain away, like, well, I normally don't look for quarters. And now that I'm just constantly looking for them, I'm finding them every once in a while. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but that's one of my favorite ones from that book because, like, it actually, it's like, oh, wow, this is doing something different. It starts to fuck up your day. So, yeah. in, a weird, in a fun way, you're like, fuck, again, another quarter. Yeah. <laughs> it starts to get weird. And it's interesting. I've had um, positive versions of that occur. I, there was this one instance where, um, uh, we were traveling cross country. We were in a desert in Arizona, I believe, um, miles away from anywhere. And man, we needed to smoke a spliff. It was been a tough day. The AC was wrecked in the car. So it's hot and like the dogs whining. And so we pull over and we're at each other's throats cause we're so agitated and you know, we need a smoke. We're <laughs> that, that's where we're at. And I walk out a couple feet into the desert. No cars around, nothing, middle of nowhere. Um, we had just been visiting this ghost town, um, Calico. Uh, very weird place. But, um, <clears throat> and right there, pack of Marlboro Lights, my brand, completely untouched, <laughs> was just sitting in the middle of the desert. And that was one of those, I was like, huh, well, thank you, universe. <laughs> Look it out for me. <laughs> what are the fucking odds of that? But uh, It's funny that the universe it. wanted you to have brand name cigarettes at that point. Uh, they, they know me better than give me some fucking Seneca's. <laughs> give me that natural <laughs> light crap, right? Uh, um, <laughs> but also, that's the beer, but whatever. You know, what I'm I have about. a spookier um, version of that is <laughs> when I was a, a kid, was just, uh, I was right at the time where Slender Man had just dropped. Um, and it was that phase where everyone was making those YouTube videos. And it Is was this like 04, like, 06? Is it after that? Um, no, it was after that. It was, um, right. it was I remember because I was 18, I think, when those two girls stabbed the other girl for Slender Man. And they were about 14. Damn, spoiler and alert. I was, I was... Uh, <laughs> If anyone um, hasn't been paying attention to Slender Man, I guess the two girls end up killing someone at the end. <laughs> it's a good one. Check out the story. <laughs> okay. It's bizarre. Um, but I was, uh, when it first dropped, they were late to the party. <laughs> I remember that happening. I was like, who believes in Slender Man anymore? <laughs> That's but so old school. Yeah. When I was around their age, I, the, it had just dropped um, 2011, 12. Um, it was just at the, the turn of the 20 teens, I believe, maybe even t- 2010. Um, but the something off the forums contest, the guy made it and it spread like a wildfire on like 4chan X and Reddit and all that shit. Um, so it was very much in vogue at the time. And, you know, being a, a kid, you don't get much sleep doing all homework and getting up early to walk to the bus and stuff. And so I, in the twilight hours, was getting real paranoid with some Slenderman stuff. And I started to find these little QC stickers, quality control stickers with the little numbers on them. Um, and at the time, I was a kid and I was like, what is up with all these weird little numbers? It's just like the notes and all the Slenderman things. Like, it's all added up. And I started seeing them more. Um, 
now as an adult, obviously I know those QC stickers, they put on shit with shoes and whatnot with a little number, no big deal. But I remember I had collected all those QC stickers at that time. And this was only a few months period. I had like nearly a hundred of them. And nowadays I might find one or two a year, but I had this whole stack. And again, it was a kind of a nocebo version of the quarter thing where I Mm. had gotten to my head. I had connected it with this urban legend and this symbology and it, it started, you know, to to manifest more and more. And so when it happened, when those two girls ended up, uh, the story was they stabbed their friend a bunch of times as a sacrifice to the Slender Man. Happy ending. The girl survived. She's okay. Um, but it was well, very, re- very relatively strange. okay. I yeah, assume. relatively. I mean, you know, no one's okay. <laughs> They're all traumatized, and I think the two girls are in hospitals for a few more years. Um, but again, we can fix all these psychological explanations, the folle de toi, the, you know, idea that there's, they bring this up with the Columbine shootings too, that, you know, two people start to play off each other and this weird dominant sub role and they end up leading to this weird violent expression. Um, but I do think there is something to this this idea of thought forms of you know uh, a mental um, contagion, I guess. Um, but again, I hesitate to use that word because it, it has that connotation. Because in the case of Slenderman, obviously that was a bad. <laughs> but if you're just looking for quarters, <laughs> you know you're gonna have bus <laughs> fare for the rest of your life. That's pretty fucking good. <laughs> so. Again, these things are um, never simply, I think, uh, or rarely black and white. I guess there are some odd instances in the paranormal realm where you can say, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> but most of them have a, a positive flip side of that coin. There's a, a head to that tail. Slenderman's a great example here because it feels like a newer generation's version of Bloody Mary in mm-hmm. a way where... You know, you'd st- stare in the mirror with like a candle and the lights off and say, mm-hmm. you know, Bloody Mary three times. And then that turned into Beetlejuice, maybe. Um, but Slender Man is kind of, you know, the the non-boomer version of Bloody Mary, right? Like, what what are the rules of Slender Man? Do you remember? Um, God, not really. Like, can, like, can it, you I just re- conjure him or does he just show up? I remember it from a video. No, he shows up. He wants to kidnap children or whatever and so there's a whole there was a video oh, he's working with the clintons you mean collect notes yeah no he's all he's in on it ironically i think there is something that is one of those elements i think if you attach it to something it helps feed whatever it is if, whether you're QAnon or slender man throw missing kids in and it takes a, a, a notch of seriousness it adds to it. You, know? yeah, you better not joke about it now, bitch. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, you'll get canceled. <laughs> so, so where, um, I mean, I'm really curious on the Slender Man in particular. Is Slender Man real because he became real through just Agrigore slash thought form slash people putting energy into it? Does he become real because people believe it so much that they make it real in their own heads and then act accordingly? Or is there like an objective reality where you could be like, yeah, dude, if you use this special laser sensor thing uh, and, you know, like you can you can see him and he's definitely there. Or is it like 
it's thinkings. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, I tend to think that. Uh, oh, I, I heard a great analogy once. It's kind of like asking, "Is Batman real?" Well, no, but there's also comic books, costumes, paraphernalia, <laughs> toys, movies. Like he certainly had a real impact on on reality, and there's definitely been people who dressed up as Batman and tried to fight crime. I mean, there's a whole subgenre of TikTok of weirdos walking around. Batman's a good one just because he's technically not a superhero. He's just really rich, right? He just has infinite resources. Again, one of those details that helps feed the mythos. (laughs) Um, If you, if you craft your mythos, well, it can take on, I think this, this reality that is not necessarily physical, but certainly real, you know, like Batman, where he's not necessarily physically real, but he is real. Um, and I think there is a lot of uh, who's the comic book art author who um, I think it was the Constantine guy who said he's met Constantine in real life. He like met him in a, a cafe, like bumped into him and he was so like awestruck that it was literally the guy he'd been drawing and writing and like down to the details on his face. And when he, he manifested him into reality or, or that like he had just been writing about him because the guy actually existed or what? Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe <laughs> both. I think yeah. something, something where both of those are true in a weird reality. Um, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to segue into uh, a fun little segment here. And it's just to get a temperature check on where you're at on a bunch of different variety of topics. All right. So okay. the rules are pretty simple. You're just going to give things a rating from one to 10, one being, you know, that's, that's bullshit. And 10 being like, oh yeah, I'm all in, you know, pull up a chair. I'll convince you too. Right. So if you're okay. on the fence or you don't care, or you've been flip flopping on something, then that's an obvious five. Five. Okay, I got you. All right, are you ready? And we're there's not a set number. We're just gonna I'm just gonna do a few until we've got some fodder, and then we'll do some follow ups based on what you say here. Cool. Did we bury Osama bin Laden at sea in May 2011? I uh, there's no evidence to it, so I'm gonna say zero bullshit. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> are dinosaurs real? Um. I'm going to say like uh, a, a seven. Yeah, like probably not, not as real, not how we think they are, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. How much do you care about Hollywood striking? Not at all. <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. how, how real do you think celebrity clones are? Like Jamie Foxx, for example. Ooh. Well, maybe not that example, but. Michael Jackson. That's a that's a, another popular one. I'm gonna say maybe a six because I think there's some things about that that has some merit, but not okay, like okay. gung ho for it by no means. I, I want to know your phone right now. If you were to turn it off completely, what's the chance that it's still recording you and sending your voice off somewhere? Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. Does gold have some kind of magical or special properties? Be beyond five. the ones that we're aware of five okay, okay. i'm gonna say five i don't know enough <laughs> about is there that is there actually some sort of underground secret or some other you know um conspiracy going on at denver international airport or are they just leaning into it 
Ooh, that one's a good one. Um, I mean, it's an airport. Shady shit has to be going down. I'm going to say a, a six and a half. Maybe okay, a six. Okay. I, I like these scores, man. I, I like them a lot. <laughs> um, do you think the earth is flat? Uh, zero. Zero on it being flat. Okay. okay. Oh, like it's flat. <laughs> did, did mermaids ever exist in real life? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Ever exist. Yeah, did, like as as we know of them, <laughs> right? Like a half human, half know, fish, half human. They would like fish. lure sailors because they were smoking hot. See, I think the idea of a, a siren it exists today in the woods as a skinwalker. If we're talking siren, I'm saying ten. If you're talking half fish, half woman, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to put it at like a maybe a four. Okay, that's respectable. I, I think on a side note, I think that maybe there were just some really horny sailors and they were just making excuses for like, you know, oh, yeah. like, hey, dude, were you were you banging a fish last night? No, nah, bro. It was like half. <laughs> it was a it was lady. Half lady. <laughs> yeah, dude. It wasn't weird. It wasn't what happens at sea stays at sea. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it was only it was only half weird. It was only half. Do you think Walt uh, Walt Disney's body or head is cryogenically frozen in case they can bring him back to life? I grew up with that one being true. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say seven. How much do you trust cryptocurrency? Um, two. <laughs> do you think the CIA um, intentionally flooded pop culture with psychedelics? Ooh, this one is one that I'm well-versed on both sides. Um, I'm gonna have to say seven and a half. Yes, they did. Was Shakespeare a real person? Um, oh, I have a very specific perspective on this. I think Shakespeare was the first modern instance of a writer's room where it was like six or seven people coming up with that shit. Okay, I'm I'm curious. Well, we're gonna get into that one in particular. Uh, and then I don't know where I'd put that on the number scale. And then um, we landed on the moon. Oh, that one, that one, I'm gonna have to say six because there's some, a bunch of sketchy shit, but also there's, you you can see it (laughs) like the stuff (laughs) it's up there. We got telescopes to look at it. Okay. Okay. I want to, I want to go right to Shakespeare um, and the, the writer's room because I guess the most conventional one that I'm familiar with is Manly Palmer Hall cited this and a whole, there's been movies on it, but that Francis Bacon perhaps was the actual William Shakespeare. But if Francis yeah, Bacon movie was involved then Francis Bacon probably had like a whole bunch of his homeboys in on it too. Right. Like they were sharing like an Instagram login amongst each other and like pretending it was one person. Yeah. Like, but, but who's in the writer's room? I'm curious. So it, that's a good one. Francis Bacon, I imagine, was maybe would be credited as like a producer. Like he might have been a writing producer a little okay. bit. He might okay, have yeah, yeah. had some influence in there. He made sure that like this guy showed up and got in town at like the right time. And like, this yeah, guy there's showed some up themes and... that are a little propaganda y here and there and stuff. You know, they want to make sure it's intriguing, but it's not going to incite a riot, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it plays well. And so, yeah, there's, you know, the, the common one of the conspiracy is that Shakespeare couldn't write or read. <laughs> 
So how did he write all the fucking plays? He could have said it to somebody, but also that person probably took some creative influence on it too. And so I, I think there's actually a really good skit. I want to say it's um, Mel Gibson's History of the World where they do a, a Shakespeare and like they're in a, like a room and they're all doing blow. <laughs> Mel, Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah. yeah, Mel Brooks. Um, Mel Gibson. Excuse Mel Gibson's me. History of the World actually got canceled. Would be through. totally fucked. <laughs> I would love to see it. Rothschilds are behind everything. <laughs> um, Mel Brooks. And yeah, they're, he's like, pitch it to me, pitch it to me. And the one guy like pitches Romeo and Juliet and he's like, Boom, Shakespeare. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's probably, you know, okay. close to it, where it was a, a squad of people and they just for marketing reasons, you know, they uh they just went with the front man name. So I want to know about the moon. You gave the moon, I want to say like a six or a seven. So so you're implying that we've actually been to the moon, which I happen to agree with you on. And these aren't trick questions or anything, which is somewhat <laughs> controversial in, I guess, oh, yeah, the, very the paranormal because now you're, oh, you're buying the government story. You're buying the official story. My, my favorite rebuttal, I guess, is just that I don't think that the moon landing footage that was broadcast in the phone call to Nixon, I don't think that was real. So I do yeah. think that the government faked it and lied about it and pulled a huge propaganda piece but i also think that maybe we actually did still go to the moon we just didn't have proof and it would have looked stupid to not have proof of it um but you know where where are you at on this like do you think that any of the footage was real do you think that a, a human being has stepped foot on the moon or it's just been robots or what well there's definitely there's definitely shit up there that we put up there <laughs> that's my perspective because you can Again, there's high-powered micro uh, telescopes that can take a picture of the moon surface, and you can see like a little. It looks like a lander, and you know a couple other specks and shit. Um, and there's a, another experiment where you can bounce. They've left the reflector plate, so you could bounce lasers off of it. You know, depending on the the time and location. And again, I think all that you know that kind of astronomy and shit. People have been doing that since the fucking Greek era. So I think I trust when amateur astronomers look up and say yeah i see the shit i trust those people absolutely now you don't think those are nasa hologram projections well again everyone's been able to land a a rover up there so it doesn't necessarily mean it was manned allegedly Um, but i i tend to give them the benefit of the the doubt on that one you know i've been to cape canaveral and seen a bunch of this shit it's a pretty good if it's a ruse it's a pretty good one um, especially since other nations around the world have been imitating it, you know, spot on pretty close. Well, just yesterday, um, I mean, well, this is, you know, right now it's uh, uh, August 24th, but I think like a day or two ago, India just, mm-hmm. you know, basically landed something on the moon. Uh, do you believe that? Do you believe that they, they legitimately Well, the computer graphics the they showed everyone are not doing them any favors. <laughs> yeah, it, okay, it yeah. like, it's like run on a Nintendo Switch or well, something. Maybe they shit. just don't have great, you know, animators that we do at NASA. Yeah, I guess. Bullshit, though. I'm on Fiverr. There's Indian dudes whipping out animation. That's true. No, that's true, man. They, maybe they just they cheaped out on Fiverr when they, so. they they put a an ad up for like government work must land ru- lunar yeah. run, moon. Again, I think there are really weird details, like the original tapes being missing. 
that's super sketchy. No, they were running out of tape. They had to, they had to reuse them. What do you, what do you want, man? Fucking lost them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> because, no, record record the over the most somewhere. monumental <laughs> achievement in human history. You know? Someone other, needed Garfield reruns. My other favorite one is, I, is it like the Danish ambassador? Someone, they sent a moon rock and this cheeky fucker got it tested and it turned yeah. out to be fossilized wood. It's about um, looking at a, a gift horse in the mouth. That's awesome, know, though, man. That's, dick, that's right? why you're supposed to look a gift horse in the mouth. That's the exact reason, because they usually give you the horse with the bad teeth. That's where that saying came from. That's funny. Um, but yeah, um, there, there's some weird shit. Again, maybe that's just it's fucking the government. Maybe they just mislabeled that shit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there is always that argument of like incompetence that comes in here and there when it has this conversation and it is it's a sticker stickler because you know, yeah <laughs> anyone can believe that to be true like it's a bunch of idiots in the government and they fuck the thing up okay yeah we can all buy that we're all constantly victims of that every single day <laughs> so it's not a hard sell but it is also kind of a cop-out you know there definitely should be accountability when it comes to these things because it does lead to to wider implications you know what i mean if you don't think the moon landing happened and you think all nasa's fake and then all now you're living on the flat earth my friend (laughs) it's a very firmament slippery slide Uh uh-huh it's a sticker up there that's all it is (laughs) and speaking of the government screwing things up um you also you, you pause a little bit on whether or not the cia intentionally you know, injected psychedelics into pop culture. And this one is in my, I mean, in my boring mind, this is like a highly controversial thing too, because in some, I I won't, maybe it's a minority, but some people are like, well, the CIA is essentially the one that introduced LSD uh, and maybe even mushrooms through Gordon Wasson. And we'll get into that in a second. But like, if they hadn't done that, then maybe the psychedelic movement never would have happened. And therefore, and there's that conspiracy part. And Mm. therefore, you know, psychedelics are bad because the CIA wanted this to happen. And if they wanted it to happen, then that means then it's like a bad thing. Uh, But you could also just say like, maybe they, it just slipped through. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. Or I guess in my opinion, they were just trying to get ahead of something that they knew was coming and wanted to get as much research done covertly as possible before like you know the uh the control basically escaped from the lab because yeah. once it gets in pop so where where are you at on this particular subject being familiar with psychedelics so through through my understanding of it and again it, it, my understanding of it is that it is a controversial subject because the psychonauts very divided uh, especially over the battle over Timothy Leary for Leary um, oh yeah, where you at on Leary, dude? I think he Good was guy, bad guy. I think yeah, that he got some of his drugs from the government, and that's sketchy. But I I do think that he was being genuine. Um, <clears throat> that being said, I think the reason the government was supplying him and others, I think Manson got his his shit from them as well, um, was because they were doing what they did with the fucking cocaine in the 80s. They infiltrated that shit. And so the point of the the CIA is to collect information. They're not there to shut... They're not law enforcement. They're not there to shut anything down. Their job is to embed themselves into these networks. And so you have an illicit substance 
And that means, you know, millions of dollars that you can potentially, you know, just put in your pocket. Um, you know, what's the Barry Seal guy from the fucking Tom Cruise movie? That was that all happened. Bill Clinton's Arkansas was a, a dropping pad yeah, for Mina. Uh, that was Mina, Arkansas. Uh-huh. Hundreds of thousands of kilos potentially of cocaine. And again, distributed to the inner cities. I think they were doing the same thing with the the hippie movement. Um in the the seventies, and they were distributing it to the universities, to the people on the streets. They were one of these main functions, one of these main cogs in this machine, and that was their job to be in on all of this and collect all the information. Um, and it's what I think happened with Jeffrey Epstein. I think that's what he did. He was a human trafficker that worked for the CIA. He was embedded in global human trafficking. Because he was getting paid by the government to be there. <laughs> there was a whole, they knew what he was doing and they were probably most likely sharing shit. And that's why they, they covered that up. Um, it, it's just a normal function of, we, we, we tend to put higher, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, the Illuminati and shit. But I think it's just normal functioning military intelligence. That's just day to day shit. Um, and the reason particularly I, I feel that with psychedelics is because, again, most of these are rooted, um, besides LSD, almost all of them are rooted in plants that grow here in the Americas naturally. You know what I mean? There's not any, even if they, the government wasn't involved, people would have still been picking mushrooms and taking them. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's just part of our human culture. Uh, we uh, don't exist separate from these things. The uh, synthesis of these drugs into compounds and their, the particular ones that appear in certain locations at certain times is highly suspect. Clearly, they've done some research and they are involved in, in that kind of aspect. You know, they definitely were giving Manson some bad shit and seeing what happens. Uh, you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, yeah, a seven. <laughs> that's a, that's honestly a great slogan that the CIA should, should pick up. Contact me. I'll give it, I'll give you the rights. Uh, let's see what happens. That should just be their slogan, right? Let's just see what happens. They don't, we're not, again, here, to, that we're not is, here to enforce the law. <laughs> yeah. They're not the, the fucking FBI. And again, the FBI's job is to bust shit and they sometimes just don't, <laughs> you know, we know that for a fact that they fuck up a lot intentionally and unintentionally, but the CIA has no such, and the NSA, they have no such responsibility. They're simply an information collecting network. <laughs> and it's such a funny dynamic too uh, to bring up on that. And I always see the FBI are almost like those stock traders on the floor that have been coked up for like four days straight and like they should probably sell like it probably hit its peak but they're all like i don't know man like if we just hold on to this a little bit longer maybe a little bigger tragedy will happen and we can get like bigger <laughs> yeah. shinier toys out of this you or know we mean? can manufacture one <laughs> again they know all the information they're in the spots to to make those pit of, those uh decisions so what's your opinion because you're in florida that why are, you know, psilocybin mushrooms still illegal right now to cultivate in the state of Florida in 2023? Why, why is that still illegal? Um, again, I think you're going to see that as a, um, uh, a side effect of our 
you know, dual two party system. You know, anyone we're we're in Florida and we're in a pretty red Florida at this point. The the gerrymandering's gotten us kind of away from that purple Florida. Um, you know, and the, the Cubans have gotten more conservative too. Well, let's let's not kid anyone. <laughs> they they've also started leaning uh, that way as well. But um the political system, if you say you're going to legalize any drug specifically here in, in Florida or the deep South, they're going to say you, you hate the cops. You're, you're light on crime. You're not tough enough. And that's, that's, that's it. That's all it really takes for these people. These fucking. Well, right now they're trying to lower the THC limits. They're like, your weed is too strong. Make it. Make I know, it man, we're just fucking <laughs> haters, dude. <laughs> I miss. I miss the old libertarian like Republicans who are in there, man. They're fucking. Uh, I I dream of the day, man, when like we just get a new governor and he's like, "Welcome to the new Florida. Come to Disneyland. Get high. Trip. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. eat some mushrooms and smoke some weed and go yeah. to and go to uh, Mush- Disney Alice World and Universal Wonderland, Studios. Man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> California's got it. Why can't we? Yeah, probably some legal reasons, but potential lawsuits there. <laughs> but again, <laughs> I, I think people, yeah, there's the idea that you can regulate people on anything they put in their bodies, whether that's a, or out of their bodies, a, no, vaccines, abortions, whatever it is, the government shouldn't be telling you what to do. Um, we're all individuals that should uh, have our... There's no point in the Constitution that says we own your bodies unless you were black. And we got rid of that part. And that was a good thing. (laughs) All right. So, no, let's not take any step back in any of that shit. That's my. Where where are you at on like uh, not like natural psychedelics versus like a lab created psychedelic? Like, is there any difference to you to actually getting ergot from, you know, uh, rye and then processing that? versus just starting with a precursor and developing it yourself like in a garage so i i have a positive feelings towards both for different reasons i personally prefer um like a peyote button or a a mushroom cap um that being said dosage is not a thing when you just do it fresh from the source like that. And I think that's part of it. I think that's intentional. I think your psychedelic journey is supposed to be individualized like that. Now for research purposes, having like, like a dropper and being able to like calculate exactly how hard you're going to trip is also super beneficial. So it, it kind of depends on the scenario, but if I'm my, my go-to, I would prefer, you know, I like a good mushroom tea um or um now out of the synthetics there is a i do have a favorite it's aliescaline it's a mescaline derivative and i love to take that and go to museums no no weird like uh um anxiety when you because normally when i'm tripping balls you know you're like everyone can tell (laughs) you know what i mean you always have that little paranoia goblin on your shoulder like well, they probably word. can because like you're sweating and your eyes uh, are wide open. You're like hyper for whatever aware. reason on Aliescalin, you just don't give a shit, man. You're just fucking vibe it. The visuals are great, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the pure masculine though hard to get. I would probably go for that over it if, if it was more available. Um, I think you know 
do your research, but I think you can order Ali Eskelin on the internet. It's not restricted here. I think it's one of those nice. designer Did, ones. Is, is there like a promo code? Is there like a chat? Well, I fucking got to get like one of those, man. Dude, that's a great idea. AliEskelin.com. Hook that up. Are there are there any that you're um like synthetic weeds a big one right like K two oh, was yeah, huge no, in Florida and they had Bayou uh, blasters and stuff. Do you have any experience with that? Um, no, not I, I've never had a a K two experience. I've smoked some weird questionable blunts. I do have a habit of when I out drinking, I'll 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 smoke a blunt with a homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. definitely, I definitely, you look specifically for homeless guys you're like uh, yo you got a blunt they seek me out man it's the i don't know if it's the hair or what you remind me of me when i was your age Dude, son yeah, there's a whole thing to it but um yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm well known around this uh area gainesville I'm, I'm nice to the homeless they recognize me so i think <laughs> i think the last time i talked to you i was like kind of kidding around but also kind of not kidding around but but there. Uh, and correct me if this wasn't you, but there was like a haunted doll somewhere in Key West. Um, oh, like yeah, I still haven't done that yet. And you said that you've also never done salvia, and you were uh-huh. like, bro, let's do salvia and just and go haunt look this at that little doll, haunted yeah, doll. I'm yeah, down. man. <laughs> it fucking, it got hard to get because they did end up banning that one, I believe. Um, no, Nevada. So if, if you go to Nevada or know someone in Nevada, Mm. Uh, it is still completely legal from what I understand. There's a there's a handful of states still. Georgia, mm. I think, might even still really? be legal. I might look into that. Yeah, it, it's also one of those ones no one's fighting hard for, though, because uh, the Which is, oh, man. sucks. <laughs> it's not like a fun one by most It's accounts. not. And that honestly, that's why it's I think it's so important. That one in particular, uh-huh. because it's not a fun one, because it doesn't attract someone that's like, I'm going to bring this to the party. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go and cry in a dark closet for like 40 minutes and, uh, <laughs> and just like completely detached from reality. But I think, that, I don't know, man, I, I've got my own opinions on that one, but I think it's, it's one of the ones that people should care about and they don't. Yeah, no, again, all of these substances, I think merit, you know, further research beyond the, uh, you know, as fun as as much fun as I'm having, there should be scientists doing this <laughs> for sure. And you do you have um, uh, Straussman in the UK doing like the long drip DMT experiments, which again, I'm not really sure how productive those are. <laughs> like it, it's hard to say, um, but it's an effort. You know, who knows? Well, what do you do? You think that the human body synthesizes dmt that's another controversial thing in the psychedelic world because some people believe like when you're born you get like an initial dose of dmt and then like right before you die your brain's like uh-huh. oh dude take this trip on your way out it's the only way you know um but i'm i from what i understand like no one has definitively proven that the human body is even capable of just synthesizing dmt by itself yeah, well, there's definitely the release of DMT definitely is. It's, you know, the common explanation for the near-death experience. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I do worry. I try not to do um, DMT often. That's one I definitely won't use for research because, again, you're just, like, locked there. <laughs> you're blasted off. Um, but also because I do worry, like if you do too much of it, maybe that last death hit sucks. 
Like, even if it isn't, let's take out the whole spiritual idea that it's your blast off to the, you know, other side or whatever. And just say, it is just a nice little thing before you die. What if you're like burnt out on DMT? And <laughs> yeah. It's just like a, you're like fourth. Like, yo, is there any DMT more? Trip. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, can you they, give me a they, triple here? Uh, <laughs> your your death moment is like just mid compared to <laughs> <laughs> your other fucking trips. They're like like jazz. Get ready. You're you're gonna cross over. <laughs> Here's exactly 0.5 grams of some dried psilocybin, and you're like, what? <laughs> what? I can fucking see a, a shape if I'm lucky. <laughs> So, all right, I got another, this isn't like hot seat stuff. I'm curious, like, where are you at on pyramids and aliens and Stonehenge and Coral Castle? Do you think that there's architecture on the planet right now that you can go and visit that only exists because some supernatural or like alien beings helped construct it? Oh, dude, I think that there is a elaborate conspiracy to withhold um, a separate branch of technology that has existed with humans. And I don't, I I think it's human based. I think it's based on nature um, observation in uh, on our planet. Um, Maybe the aliens helped us out. Probably not. (laughs) Again, Aliens, as in like people from other planets, very little evidence that anyone's fucking traveling with like gasoline all the way here. <laughs> the the math is very difficult on that. Really? So, what about like the the Greys and you know all the Roswell? And you even brought up Barty and Betty, right? So, right. Some of the theories on Barty and Betty is that they originally said it was the military, and then they changed their story and said it was aliens. And do do you believe in any of those particular stories that? Like so you know, again, high tech UFO aliens. I think absolutely there is this idea that uh, abduction experience it mirrors, you know, the fae folk being spirited away. It's it, again, that's absolutely part of the human condition. It's been with us forever. Um, whether again that occurs entirely psychedelically, partially physically, partially psychedelically, or entirely physically. All room for debate on on all of those. Now, I do believe, especially in some of these cases, Betty and Barney Hill in particular, um, but some of other abductions as well, that the government might be mirroring that on purpose. To what ends, I'm not quite sure, um, but there is um, some great research. There's this great book... um, it's not Russ Colehart. Oh, it's about um, someone in the listeners' comments. Send the answer to this because someone's going to know. It's um, it's about cattle mutilations, but his theory is that it's the government doing it because they core out the anuses and the mouths because that's how you test for um, bovine pathogens. It's a way of making sure, like you know, the foreign countries po- not poisoning our meat supply. And so they go out and do it randomly in these UFOs every once in a while. Um, and they kind of <laughs> mimic this. And it does sound crazy, but there's a a very true anecdote about how in the 50s, when the first fighter jets were being piloted, they made the pilots wear like gorilla masks and suits. 
And that way, if anybody saw them getting in and out or, you know, in an airline or saw this thing zip past, they'd be like, there was a fucking gorilla driving a plane. Yeah, there was a plane like I've never seen before. It would totally discredit the sighting. And that was the logic behind it. And we knew we know they did shit like this um, in the 50s. Same time again, 47 was Roswell. Um, So I I think there is this. understanding that they they play with and um the cia is actually the highest paid uh if you're an anthropologist the highest paid gig you can get is with the cia (laughs) and it's to like study people and cultures and things like that because again gathering information and so how are they using that information? Well, they might be tricking us into thinking aliens are like right around the corner. They're coming close. I think there might be something to that idea. Um, well, there's been some waves to- of disclosures recently, right? So do you think that this is ramping up to that? Yeah, every wave makes me more suspicious that it's not aliens. <laughs> For sure. And so there might be some bias in me coming out there. Um, but it the the bulk of my research that I'm going through um, right now, I'm, I'm putting together and uh, hopefully a book coming out soon. Maybe, I don't know. I can't put a date on it. It's been years in, in the, the making, but it's, it's coming together. Um, but there does seem to be this um, alternative mode of physics that is understood by select groups of of people, um, potentially various governments. And um, they are absolutely happy to let us think it's aliens (laughs) while they play whatever weird Cold War chess game they've got going on. Um, And it's... it's, uh, I personally call it the theory because I was exposed to it first by this crazy dude in Morocco who told me very nonchalantly that, oh yeah, I know people who fly UFOs. Yeah, no, UFOs are based off uh, honeybees. There's an anti-gravity chamber thingy in their thorax or whatever, and uh, they reverse engineered that, and that's how UFOs work. <laughs> and he like said it like that, very nonchalant. Older American dude living in Morocco. There were some weird things about him, but such a crazy story at the time I had like written it off. Like I didn't even bother writing about it for my WordPress blog. It was at the time, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, But years and years later, these little details keep popping up where that guy was fucking onto something. I don't know if he was, you know, entirely there, but he certainly was onto something. And, um, through my current research, it seems that it's, um, well, I, I call it bee theory because of the bees, um, and it's a fun story. But the more accurate name is probably superfluid theory. And it's this idea that there is a universal superfluid. And this concept of superfluid, it's science. So I'm going to fuck it up. (laughs) My explanation is not going to be entirely accurate if there's any quantum chemists listening. Um, Oh, there are. This this, uh, interview is is actually exclusively for quantum chemists. Good. I need your feedback. (laughs) Um, But this is close. 
But there's been three Nobel Prizes awarded to this superfluid research. Um, and it all involves helium, and specifically, I believe, helium-3, um, which when you cool to this specific temperature right above absolute zero, it's like 0 0.1246, that exact number, it does this weird thing. So the normally gas helium, when you get it cold, it becomes a liquid. And before, right before you get it to absolute zero, it enters this super fluid state. And you can watch it on videos. It literally just falls through the bottom of the container. It phases out through the sides of the container. And interestingly, it rides up the side in the, this weird gravity-defining way and kind of like sprinkle mists out the top of the glass as well. And it's because at this temperature, the particles are vibrating the same as all the particles around it. And so it enters this weird quantum fluid state. Um, and again, Nobel Peace Prizes have, were awarded throughout the 1900s for research into this specific phenomenon. And it kind of just died off. Even the videos you can look of it, up of it today mostly are like black and white. Like no one's doing it publicly in a lab anymore, which suspicious. Um, but, um, superfluid hypothesis suggests, and this is again, scientists suggesting this, not just weird UFO people like me, um, that if there was an element that was naturally a superfluid, well, we would have absolutely no way to detect it. It would be inside of our particles. It would be inside of our cells. It'd be inside of our, I would be inside of everything. It would be the fucking force or chi or these things that have existed in occultism for, you know, centuries. Well, there's this idea out there, scantly in modern physics, that there perhaps is this superfluid. Um, the idea of B theory is that various scientists throughout human history have discovered how to influence this superfluid and have made various technologies from it. And that the a lot of the conspiracies we attribute to, you know, secret societies and things, the arrow, Dow, arrow clubs, these um, secret schools of the Egyptian priests, a lot of that was to protect this very valuable uh, knowledge it was this this hidden modal of physics alongside gravity and magnetism that is one of these essential invisible forces um and interestingly enough there is a russian scientist who died in 2001 who claimed to have built a ufo like craft based off of the hard shells of insects. He was an entomologist and he wrote his real dude, real respected Russian scientist. He solved all kinds of like alfalfa pest problems. And he was uh, really well-versed in the migratory. He saved this migration of dung beetles, a bunch of weird stuff. But he was like, and also I built this UFO once using bug parts and uh, I had to put it away because all this weird paranormal creepy shit happened. And so I was at, willing to dismiss it at first because I was like, okay, sure, dude. But, I saw Starship uh, Troopers too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, whatever, sure. 
But the list of paranormal shit he described happening was a mirror list to the psychedelic paranormal connection that I had written in my first book. Like he was talking about weird missing time and like the time space elements and disappearing, reappearing object, phantom voices, like all kinds of paranormal stuff that lined up also with psychedelic experiences. He was basically saying operating this craft and any location where you operate it frequently is inundated with a bunch of weird psychedelic paranormal side effects because of this effect in the quantum fluid. And he didn't make that connection in his research, but there are several other scientists who came one a few before him, including a German guy who was connected to the infamous Nazi Bell project, um, who claimed to have discovered a different thing studying the flow of rivers. Um, but the similar concept and a couple modern people who um, have discovered similar things. One founded a company where they created a generator and they just disappeared. They like demoed this generator twice. It worked completely without any plugins or whatever. It created a positive charge. Like you could like power several high powered lights with it. It was completely freestanding, free energy. A device and then after these demos their company just vanished never no one knows where where they're at or whatever it's it's next to all the tesla papers right now uh well it's it's wilhelm reich again was one of these dudes speaking of um tesla uh, everyone knows him as well stole all of their his shit but wilhelm reich was another dude a contemporary of young he studied under freud in the same class i think what young was top of the class reich was second he went on to develop a lot about sexual theory that's still used in um modern or- organite right an orgone. yeah he's more famous in the new aids community as the orgone guy but the atf arrested him and took all of his devices locked them up in storage um, and they've never been seen again so the orgone pyramids we get today are completely i Fucking, that's my number one CIA psyop. They made that <laughs> shit up because they don't want anyone recreating the actual organ accumulators because they fucking worked. Um, and he made cloudbusters out of those too, I think, where they would like right? point the orgone at the sky and make it and rain or the opposite. I shit you not, the Victor Gurbinikov, the Russian scientist, he built a bunch of craft off the same, you know, insect theory, and they look. A bunch of the devices look exactly like the fucking Cloudbuster, and they would do the same shit. And this is a dude on the other side of the globe in Siberia, making who discovered it through bugs. Reich claimed to discover it through sex, which he was a, a horny dude. But an orgasm would have these medical effects, and sitting in these shaped devices that could flow his orgone energy certain ways would have these medical effects. Gurbinikov ended up using the same thing for what he called the cavity structure effect. And it was this special magnetic effect um, connected to his UFO device. But this is a known and understood um, scientific, like special electromagnetic field that specifically applies to insect nests, but anything that has a repeated cavity. So like a bundle of straws or or uh, the cloud buster from Wilhelm Reich. Again, it's a bunch of like PVC pipes 
bunched up and pointing in one direction. Um, and the Straussberg, the dude in Germany connected to the Bell Project, there's still a um, organization that had, continues his research to this day. And their main thing is medical devices. And they're like, oh, the, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, I know about them. <laughs> no, they're actually, they're like, at the start of their website, there's like a huge disclaimer saying, legally, we're not saying this can be used instead of a vaccine, but this can definitely be used instead <laughs> of a vaccine. Like Q tip, don't put this in your ear. <laughs> Use yeah. our weird German superfluid technology, it will cure you. you <laughs> it's very suspect. It, it is weird. <laughs> but all of these scientists say that. Their this um, device, their new modem of physics, has this medical application. And there's interestingly enough a lot of modern research, um, specifically into CSE, that says that the medical applications of it prove superfluid because there's no way that it would be magnetism. There's no way that it would be like holding a wasp nest shouldn't vibrate your insides. But it does, is what they're saying, basically. And so um, it, it supports this idea of a, a superfluid hypothesis. And I think perhaps very similar to the Manhattan Project in the early 1900s, where everyone, it was a secret, but everyone knew we were building an atomic weapon because all of the atomic scientists went missing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like all suddenly you couldn't go to a university and take atomic science because that dude was fucking working on the project. And it seems that something similar has okay. happened with these superfluid researchers that they're just fucking gone. Like anytime they make any kind of big breakthrough, there's this weird radio silence afterwards. And at the same time, the government, there's a, a massive increase in these craft all over the globe. And the government's, you know, saying, oh, yeah, no, it's aliens. Sure, it's aliens. <laughs> Just like those gorillas that flew those fighter jets. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do. I think, wow, there is a paranormal UFO experience that a lot of the current UFO out there are craft um, designed and piloted by people that cause a bunch of weird psychedelic side effects just by being in their vicinity which is why they're unlikely to cop to it because you know lawsuits <laughs> dude I, I love this um this i think this is a good place to wrap up a little bit here i want to give you a chance to tell people where to find you again um is there a name for the book that you've been throwing around um, you don't got to commit to it. I'm just it's curious. Still what the name. in the works right now. It's still going to be B theory, and then some kind of clever subtitle. Um, but if you're waiting in anticipation, you can check out my other two books: um, A Place Between Time and Space, which is about the Betts case here in Florida, um, a haunted house with a UFO inside of it. It's the weirdest fucking story, and it's the weirdest home. Uh, certainly in this uh, part of the uh, the world, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it that big because it is it's fucking bizarre. And I went in there and investigated this abandoned uh, and where structure. Is this and 
Oh, it's north of Jacksonville. Um, I'll give you the deets. Uh, it's this local urban legend, and it is one of the bizarrest homes I've ever like seen. It's again, I go to a bunch of places, and most of them are like meh. This one has that. It's something strange. Literally built on an, uh, a Native American fucking shell midden. It's <laughs> it's, it's all all the stereotypes. And then in the seventies, there was a metal sphere that the family found and it moved around on its own inside the house. It's just this window into high strangeness. Um, and then my first book, paranormal expeditions hunt for the friendship. That was a, um, case I did in Chile in South America where I did a bunch of weird psychedelic experiments and went down to Patagonia to try to find this supposed group of extraterrestrials. I, uh, found some Nazis and some weird stories instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, some remnants, um, you know, ancestors, I would say. I'm not, I'm not, I won't paint them as current Nazis, but some suspicious shit was definitely going down. Um, but yeah, check out all that stuff. You can find links to all of that at chazofthedead.com. Um, and you can find me at Chaz of the Dead on all the social medias. And be sure to check out Paranormality Magazine as well where you can find uh, articles not only for myself, but all kinds of uh, creators from the paranormal world, ghost hunters, Bigfoot hunters, UFO, UFOlogists, oopologists. I don't know what they want to be called anymore. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is, though, that you can get your paranormal itch scratched over there. So check them out as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we got to do this again. There's there's more topics that we have to get into and and definitely check out the Paranormality magazine. And I think you even had a uh, homie Juan on the cover on one of those as Florida's homunculologist. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so if, if you want to know more about, you know, Juan's work uh, into homunculology, which is a real thing now, we're, we're making it. This is like a thought form that we're just uh -huh. creating into the world. It's been printed. It's real now. It's been printed. It's real now. So you know, <laughs> stop fighting it, guys. Homuncul uh, homunculus is real. We're going to start creating our own homunculuses. It's only well, a matter of time. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, oh man, do I have one on me? Yeah. Oh, you're going to show me a jar yeah. full of cum. No, 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 not yet. Manual, this tells you this tells you how to make your own jar full of you know fun uh, sunstone. We're gonna call it sunstone. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this is the full manual of the uh, how to make a homunculus, and I've got a little commercial that I'll lead you off with right now. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.